Warning. What follows is a story of monsters, madness, and mayhem. Yeah, I'm 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 Nick, and I'm Zach. Now, welcome to We're in Fear Day, barely educational podcast about global folklore that aims to enlighten, entertain, and expand your world. Wow, you really you really got into that one, huh? I, well, I decided to fuck with the cadence a little bit. Just, you know, keep Switch people it guessing. Up. Keep them know. on their toes. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, during this quarantine, I've had limited amounts of alcohol. So the little that I do drink, it's a lot. I'm a lot. I'm a cheaper drunk these days is all I'm saying. Yeah. Quarantine's got its perks, I guess. Not that I'm drunk. Yeah, even though I'm like not quarantined. <laughs> I just haven't been going. Yeah, I just haven't been doing that. Right. I've just been seeing what's around the house, which is why that one time I ended up drinking two-year-old Lining Kugels. We didn't need to do that. Oh. That was a mistake. I mean, it's fine. I, th- I think you might have brought it to the house for a weird and food recording session, and it was still in the basement, and I put it in a cooler. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, and I remember I, bringing that. So Right? That, that's how I know I can date it. I was like, that's at least a year and a half old. I mean, I can tell you that it's fine. Yeah. I, I, I mean, work in a brewery. I know it. I know. You can drink it. The whole beer going bad thing doesn't really happen if things are done properly. And I'm assuming Lion and Kugels does because they're huge. And it's just going to change the flavor. So, Yeah, and I also figured like the extra sugar and the flavor in there, like it kind of, if it would have tasted like not great, kind of masked it anyway. So it was fine. Yeah. So, science fact, before we begin our beautiful podcast I got planned for us tonight. All right. A, a, a beer, um, if it sits for like a year and a half, how about, does the fermentation change anything or it just, it's just the same? No, doesn't affect it. anything? The flavor will change, but for the most part, it's, you're good. Okay. Hey, let's I mean, start this show. Well, oh, go ahead. No, so, I, I didn't mean to cut I you. No, no, I've, I want... I've drank beers that have sat outside in like the sun for like a year. Yeah. We call them well-seasoned beautiful i wouldn't recommend it but you know i don't do things that i would always recommend don't don't do as i do or say right (laughs) just yeah just in a bind if you're really craving for a drink and it's in the sun for or if you're just curious if you want to explore explore science yeah explore the world around you all right hey and that's what we're gonna do in this podcast perfect good segue we We planned that let's do it yeah let's do it boom Last week, you made a, well, you didn't make a proposition to me. You proposed the idea of asking me a question, because I often do that to you. You do. So guess what I'm about to do? I got a feeling. All right. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a question. All right. Lay it on me. And, and today's topic came about from a loyal listener, so that was kind of, I was kind of in a bind, and like, you know what? This was mentioned to me. We're going to go ahead and do this, so. Perfect. I appreciate that coming into my world. And I hopefully you do too. Probably. All right. All right. Do you believe in curses? This is a question. Uh, Just like, I mean, yeah, I could, I could see it. From do you believe in fit. Oh, go ahead. Keep I was just to say, from like you know, I don't know how it comes about or whatever, but you know, 
Some people are just born unlucky. Maybe it's a curse. Right. Right. So that leads to my next question. You know, I got a lot of que- I got a lot of words with like question marks after them. You know, like you said, fate, luck, yeah. bad luck. Mm-hmm. I got another different kind of question for you. Okay. Do you en- do you enjoy spectacles? Like glasses. Well, I mean, you may need them. I'm, I'm wearing them currently, those? and I do like them. They help me see okay, better. Good, perfect. Uh, but I do like perfect. a a spectacle as well. You Beautiful. Know. You know, seeing things you've never seen before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Do you love a good show? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Philip Astley. I said Astley, but his name is. There's a T in there. Sorry. Yeah, like like our our good old friend Rick. It's very similar. Very similar. Philip Astley was an English cavalry officer and served in the Seven Years' War. Or as us Yankees would call it on our turf, the French and Indian War. Mm -hmm. He fought alongside King Frederick II of Prussia. That's pre-Germany to those who don't know. Mm -hmm. Just throwing that out there. The man captured an enemy standard. After falling behind enemy lines, the gallant Astley rescued the Duke of Brunswick. That sounds important to me. Sounds important. He returned. To, he was a corporal, I think. Nah, that might be wrong, but we'll just go with that. Because anyways, he returned to England as a sergeant major and a bona fide war hero. Nice. And man, did he like a good horse. Hmm, I don't like the way you said that. All right. <laughs> I wrote this too, by the way. I wrote and said that weird. I understand that. Okay. But the man, he really loved horses. You're not making it any better. Okay. It does, <laughs> okay. That doesn't make it sound better. It doesn't make it sound better. All right. But the point is, from a young age, I know it makes it, I'm trying not to be weird here. Yeah, it's just getting weirder. I don't know. He, he, <laughs> <laughs> he cared about horses and spent a lot of time learning about them. Okay. He was an apprentice for his father as a cabinet maker, but again, he went off to war. And then he came home, though. And serving in the war brought him in contact with many masterful trainers and riders, again, of horses. Mm-hmm. Astley himself had become an excellent rider, and seeing trick riders get all the attention, I'm assuming from, you know, the ladies, he decided to become one himself. A lady or a horse? <laughs> A trick writer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well. Oh, well. That makes more madness. sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes a little more sense. This is already madness. Well, okay. I that's, guess I may have got a little confused, but that's, that's, no, he that's, wants I to mean, be a trick I can, okay. I can understand why you'd think that. Yeah, that's all right. We just had a seven-minute intro, and we're already at Crazy Town. I like this. This is good. Perfect. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. All right. So good, in fact, he decided it would be worth it to open a riding school focused on acrobatic tricks, again, with the horses. Cool. He would, perf- he would perform in an open field, and eventually he, would, he was putting on shows, so he would add a clown to them. You know, to keep, the crowd, to keep the crowd entertained in between each act. As his show became the hottest ticket in town... 
Astley expanded his offerings to future uh, musicians. You know, I mentioned the clown, more clowns, jugglers, tumblers, tightrope walkers, and dancing dogs. Hmm. Who doesn't love a good dancing dog? Never seen one, but I would appreciate one. Me neither. Astley had given his first performance on Easter Monday, 1768. And while Astley never called his production this himself, it is regarded as the birth of the first modern circus. I mean, it sounds fucking crazy, so. It's (laughs) dancing dogs, man. I mean, now clearly uh, jugglers, acrobats, Clowns, etc., you know, yada, yada, yeah. had existed before Astley. Clowns, etc., that sounds like a fun store. Clowns, clowns, etc., what else? You, yeah, not Bed Bath & Beyond. Clowns, etc., yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> Was it just like clown costume, guns, knives? I don't know. Sorry, I don't know why I went there. That got real dark. Yeah, it did. That's <laughs> just the, I don't know. Or, but, no, um, I don't know, what else would... A pillowcase. That's a lot. It's real dangerous. <laughs> wow. John Wayne Gacy over here? <laughs> I was thinking of like pleasant, like fluffy things. And the first <laughs> thing that came to mind was a pillowcase. <laughs> huh. All right. <laughs> wow. 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 Clowns Center okay. does not sound like a place to go <laughs> shopping. It sounds horrible. It does. It sounds. Well, it sounds a little. Welcome to clouds, etc. <laughs> honk honk. Nope. Bye. Yeah, I'm out. Yep. I'm gonna take got my your business knives elsewhere. In... Yeah, we got your knives and your pillowcases. Want a plastic bag? No, I don't. I don't want any of this. All right. So, anyways, jugglers, acrobats, clowns, etc., had existed before Astley, as did trick riders and tricks. You know, and doing said tricks in a circle, as a circus is known to do. Mm-hmm. But Astley was the first person to assemble them all under one roof. Philip Astley was the Nick Fury of circuses. That's all I'm saying. Hmm. They assembled. That's all I'm saying. Yep. Okay. Now, the future, the world would progress, of course. We're here, so that's proof of that. Um, hopefully it keeps progressing. But anyway, circuses were all the rage. They would spread all over the globe. And... You know who would especially fall in love with circuses, clowns, and sideshows? No. I'm just going to say no. Good. America. The United States of the... Now, we'll get to that even... We'll get to that in a second, too. All right. America's circuses. We'll get there. But let's, let's jump back just a little bit further. Okay. I'm going to ask you another question. Good. It's a fun one. What do you call a person or place that sells food? Groceries. Food? Yeah, you win. This shouldn't say food. Stupid internet (laughs) iPad garbage. I'm going to ask it again. Okay. (laughs) What do you call a person or place that sells fish? A... Fishery. That would make more sense. I found a term. Well, I'm just going to read this to you. Well, on June 10th, 1844, a fishmonger fathered a son. Oh, I actually thought fishmonger and I thought that. Yeah, whatever. Cool. 
<laughs> but like, you know, I don't. That's an ex- to me just based on my life experiences. Fishmonger sounds like a pretty serious term. Yeah. Anybody I mean, who's a monger or of anything seems that's a big deal. Hmm. Mongering know, sounds like cool. A, yeah, like uh, yeah, <laughs> mongering. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, this monger of fish, this fishmonger, followed a son. His name was Carl Hagenbeck. Now, Carl's dad was no ordinary fishmonger. As if any fishmonger can be ordinary. I think a lot of them probably are ordinary. <laughs> no, I don't think so, man. If you call yourself a fishmonger, you are like top-notch shit. I'm just saying that. All right, to all you fishmongers out there. That's fair. I think you're top-notch shit. That's all I'm going to say. That's a quote I said on the internet forever. If you're a fishmonger, I think you're top-notch shit. Yep. All right. But again, his dad wasn't just a, oh, his dad wasn't just only a fishmonger. All right, I didn't realize this when I put this together, but I got I got a lot of questions for you. Okay, yeah, lay them on. More me. so than more so than normal. So, cool. Do you collect? Do you collect stuff? I do. Yeah. You know, I mean, me personally, I, think I collect. Most you know, people collect book. things. Something. I would say so. Right? There's always something that you gravitate towards. I mean, me myself collect books. You know, action figures of many various sorts. You know, I like a good shoe, etc. That store probably hopefully is less dangerous than clowns, etc. Shoes, etc. Huh. Hopefully, I I mean I guess unless you're buying your shoes from your clown, I don't know. Well, I mean, well, if you're buying clown shoes from a clown, used shoes, I don't know what you're into, and I don't know if I want to know. Well, I would trust that if I'm buying clown <laughs> shoes, I would I would want to buy them from a clown. He would know shit. He would know his shoes. Yeah, he'd be like. I don't know. I know. I just. I don't know why during this episode I made up like a clown voice because I just want to keep doing it. I like my shoes. Oh, God. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> <laughs> I, I I wish you would not do it because it's right, terrifying. Well, <laughs> it's watching those gin videos kind of during ginned up the evil inside this clown. I'm trying to imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you want to buy these? Oh God! <laughs> oh no! Uh, oh no! I want to leave. A door is locked. You can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's too much fun. I gotta stop doing that. Oh wow. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, I collect action figures. Well, there was no Transformers for Carl to collect in the 1800s. Okay. Now, has your dad ever helped you with your collections? You know, bought you stuff, just followed a son. I mean, mine has sometimes. You know, yeah. anything kind of sorta. You know, whatever, oh, yeah. whatever you're interested in. You know. Yeah, whatever. definitely. Well, when he was 14, Carl's dad gave him, quote, some seals and a polar bear. Interesting. You know, I collect vinyl, so it's a little different. Well, Carl's fishmonger father also dabbled in exotic animals, and this set Carl on a path toward, well... When I initially put this together, I had written greatness here, but I don't think I could say greatness sarcastically enough to justify actually typing it and just saying it. So let's just say maybe Carl couldn't control himself because it doesn't sound like he could stop collecting animals. Couldn't do it. Are they alive? Just, they're alive. He's oh, okay. well. I'm assuming some are. I think... Uh, 
Anyways, Carl, he left his native Hamburg and teamed up with hunters. He's, you know, from he's in Germany. Teamed up with hunters and explorers to um, become a regular Percy Fawcett and captured animals from all over the world. Jungles, snowtops. If it was an animal, he wanted it. And, well, it's the 1800s. And Kill them all. <laughs> That's what they did. Well, this is this is going into a bad place, and neither of us are going to like where it goes, but I was just reading about Carl, and this is what it chose to tell me, so... Okay. Well, and, um... So Carl wants to collect any animal he can find. Any wild creature. Okay. I'm trying to put this into terms that Carl may perhaps say. Not myself. Not any good person who I respect in the age we live in. Hmm. You know, I don't, like, kind where, of I don't like where this is going. Any any kind of beast, any kind of savage creature that is found somewhere where someone from Europe might consider it wild. What, um, what did he do? Carl was white, and I'm just I'm sure he had a profound respect for any human he found across the globe. I'm sure he would even consider them human, right? I was just reading about Carl. This is what Carl did. I he felt compelled to exhibit Samoans and Sami people. In exhibitions, next to their tents, with weapons, sleds, near a group of reindeer. Okay. He marketed them He marketed them as, quote, purely natural populations. Europe thought it was cool when he had an exhibit of Nubians. Hmm. He, even had a, he even had a touring troupe of Labrador Inuits from Canada. All were very popular. Okay. Oh, did I mention did I mention all eight Inuits would eventually die of smallpox yet? Did I mention that yet? Well, no, did I you didn't. That? I'm guessing they well, you know were isolated enough that they were safe from it. Well, all eight Inuits died of smallpox mm-hmm. that he took in his troop. Um So yeah, I mean so I'm getting to the spooky story here. Okay. Right? I really I really I really promise. But like I kinda said already. We like to get into the history behind stuff and maybe some background information. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, learn some stuff. And like my path took me to Carl. So, I mean, clearly I'm kind of talking about circuses. So my, you know, spoilers. I hope we're all on the same page, right? The history of circuses is not good. It's kind of. It's not. I mean, that's kind not, of not great. I mean, I thought always implied, but I never realized. I guess. You know. Never thought about it that much. Yeah, it's uh, not good. So yeah, uh, in regards to our current topic, the history of circuses is fucking brutal. Especially, I only got like one more paragraph of this, so there's an end. It's not the whole episode, so I'm not going to torture you with, with these things. Okay. But, I mean, it's human history. Um, yeah, so, yeah, history of circuses is fucking brutal. You know, especially the parts where, you know, they had human zoos showing off, quote, savages. Were they the new, paid at least? Uh, some were, and I do get into that. Some do get paid a lot of money, so that's kind of a thing. The the the, the downside or the, you know, the, the counter to that is you're put on display to be gawked at, but you are getting paid money. But you're still not treated very well, but you're given money. So, I mean... Capitalism wins, right? It's always worked out for everyone. That's never bit anyone in the ass. Yeah, it's fine. I promise you <laughs> when I'm... I, promise I say, you when, yeah, it's fine very lightly. But I am... <laughs> yeah. I should probably clarify, I'm just kidding. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I promise you, when I set up out this path and my little history dive, this is not where I wanted to go, but we have to kind of get through here. Which is so. why I should clarify that I'm just kidding. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, to new listeners, hopefully longtime listeners understand, like, yeah. sometimes things we say are in, like, sadness and we're just trying to cope with the horrors that mm-hmm. are brought upon us. Mm-hmm. Remember that episode? Remember that episode I did where, like, Missouri, East Illinois strung up a German man in a noose? Yeah, right. that that was not my favorite one to listen to. Patriotic <laughs> murder. Hey, everybody. Hey. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm moving along. All right. <laughs> yeah. Continuing. Anyways, on. yeah. The new imperial period was a period where European powers, the United States and Japan, were bent on accumulating more territory, and with that came this morbid fascination and disgust with other cultures. Entire exhibitions showing how one society was more primitive than another society. I mean, they are just horror shows. This is unrelated to our spooky story. And this one, but I came across this little... Like, if you click on Wikipedia and go to human zoos, you can read about a lot of cool stuff. All right. Cool, I see. think you're throwing around loosely. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, a little. Yeah, very loose. This is a loose cool here. So this one has nothing to do with any of our topic at all, really, but um, unrelated to our spooky story, in 1896, the Cincinnati Zoo asked 100 Lakota to live there to increase revenue. They just asked a hundred, you know, Sioux, Lakota, Native Americans to come live at their zoo. See, that's just they, a weird thing to do. The, the fact that it would even happen and the fact that they accepted and then they lived there for three months. I mean, at the same time, though, I bet if you ask some random group of people to come live in an exhibit and you're going to pay them, people would do it still. Oh yeah, you know how I clicked on that human zoo link? Yeah, I can. I could have told, read you stuff up to like 2007. By the way, huh? Yeah, yeah. I I, cho- I not chose entirely, not to. I'm not entirely I, surprised, but I was honestly shocked. Like I couldn't. Like the the article itself didn't have like things like beyond 2007. I'm like, oh, it's, it stopped eventually. That's neat. <laughs> I was like, oh, eventually we quit. Where where was I? Oh yeah, so yeah. It's an entire racist horror show. So that existed, and that was terrible. Yeah, yep. But but anyways, three pri- three years prior to, um, yeah, that 1896 nonsense, um, three years prior to that sh- shit show, Hagenbeck had brought his animals to the 1893 World's Fair in the Columbia Expedition in Chicago, Illinois. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh-huh. It's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of things we've already talked about, what if I told you I'm pretty sure we've already talked about this guy, and I totally just did not remember his name, and clearly I don't think you do either. Mm, I do not. What if I told you this maniac was one of the first people to describe a creature that was, quote, huge monster, half elephant, half dragon, end quote. Now, it's going to make sense and probably put that story we talked about into more context, because what if I told you this obsessive collector was so obsessed with finding the next big attraction that he caught wind of, or at least claimed he did, um, the next big, one of the things he 
evidently, if we believe the story that locals told him this, Mm -hmm. was of a legend of a living, breathing Brontosaurus. What if I told you his claims helped proliferate the legend of Mokulamembe? Okay. I guarantee you I quoted things he had written down in that episode and totally forgot. And I composed that episode. Yeah. Holy shit. Huh. I thought you were going to tell me he was the guy that threw the alligators in the lake at the the World Fair. Yeah, nothing I read mentioned that, but if he did do that, I would not be shocked. And <laughs> fuck, maybe he was. Holy shit, that's worth more investigating, right? Yeah. If I if I had more time, I probably would have taken down that rabbit hole because I did think about that. Yeah, well, those, I really, I, I really did. But well, that's I, a like, couple throwbacks it. to a few different old episodes that we've done now at this point, right? That I've exactly. thought about in a while. Yeah. Hey, does everyone remember a better world when we had fun talking about Chance the Snapper? Does anyone remember that world? I do. It was fun. Yeah, Chance was fun. Still wasn't great, but it was fun. That was a good moment. Anyways. All right, one more one more story for uh, the road for Hagenbeck here. In 1905, because he liked collecting animals or capturing them or doing shit with animals. I don't know what he did with animals, but he liked them. So, <laughs> in, 19- <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> in 1905, he captured 1,000 camels to be used for the German army. What? <laughs> did Did I mention this man was out of control? He's out of his mind. He's like, yeah, germ, the German army. We need a camel mounted cavalry. I mean, if it, during if he so in 1905, so World War One is only like 12 years away. It, if if the in the Africa campaigns, I guarantee you, if you saw a German soldier riding an uh, elephant, wow, riding a camel, too many zoo stuff in my head, uh, riding a camel, it was probably provided to them by this maniac. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book called uh, "Beasts on Beasts and Men," which you can read about, and I'm sure it's full of wild, crazy stories. All right, but anyways, okay. So I, I threw that guy at you, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's meet another man. October eighth, eighteen forty-seven. A fishmonger did not give birth to this man. Just saying. Benjamin E. Wallace was born near J- Johnstown, Pennsylvania. But eventually he would grow up, become an adult, and he would call Peru, Indiana, his home, where he kicked business ass for 18 years. I'm just saying, that that's my term for him being successful. He kicked business ass. Cool. All right. Well, do you know what got Benjamin excited in Peru, Indiana? Kicking what business ass. Kicking business ass. And one Taking particular bus- business enterprise... He wanted to make his own. Okay. He was excited. He got excited about circuses. Okay. All right. So Benjamin ended up buying six or seven rail cars with tents, poles, and assorted other equipment. That's what they kept saying. So whatever it takes to run a fucking circus. Costumes, etc. Another fun store. Man, a lot of those in here. Mm-hmm. Hopefully nicer. Costumes, right, etc. <laughs> Less pillowcases and knives. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that happened. <laughs> all right. Oh, all right. So he acquired these things when a circus passed through Peoria, Indiana, and was forced to sell everything because they were in debt, heavily mortgaged. They, 
Like the circus went through town. Like we're fucked. Let's sell everything. Like, yard okay. sale. Yeah. So what are the chances that a failing circus would travel through the town of a wealthy businessman who wanted to own a circus? I, mean, I don't I know. I haven't. I would say pretty decently high if you know this guy was known to be a circus lover. That's true. I. That's true. I didn't. Maybe the town's like we got to go through here. Get th- we gotta. But from things I read, it seemed like it was just coming through, and it, it, to me, anyways. And I could that just could be how I interpret it. It's like, fuck it, we're broke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it could have been that. It could have been a coincidence. Otherwise, they could have been like, we heard there's this weirdo that really like like circus stuff, and he wants to buy a circus. So, let's go through there. Yeah. Here we go. So again, I asked you in the beginning, do you believe in fate, destiny, destiny, luck? Luck? Benjamin was hooked. He needed more circus. As much circus as he could get. Hey, dude, you like circus? Hey, we got you some circus. He attended a Texas sale and bought even more circus stuff. Namely, several car... Uh, yeah. Several train cars of horses. He just bought them up. And then he went to Chicago. He got more animals. He didn't want his company to be a podunk second tier shit show. So he hired the best performers he could find by offering them competitive wages, decent, I don't know what benefits would qualify at this time, but he he made it worthwhile. He pulled the best guys. He made it worth the while to leave where they were at to come join his show. So he was the guy to work for. Everybody was like, man, this guy. Yeah, we got to go for Mr. Wallace. He knows what he's doing. Uh and then, so after he paid them competitive wages, they joined his organization. He gave his circus a quaint, easy-to-remember, rolls-off-the-tongue sort of name. All right. This is what he called his circus. Okay. Wallace and, Wallace and Co.'s Great World Menagerie, Grand International, Mardi Gras, Highway Holiday, Hidalgo, and Alliance of Novelties. Wow. That was a different That is a mouthful. Does that make a cool <laughs> acronym, a- at least? Uh, W-C-G-W-M-G-I-M-G-H-H-H-A-N-S. None. Not nearly enough vowels to make that work. No, no. It sounds like a guy choking on his own vomit. Which might be something, if you stick around too long in clowns, etc., that might happen to you. Get out of there. Get out of there. Don't go to clowns, etc. Costumes, etc. Better place. Little, little safer. Much All right, safer. so so Wallace and Co.'s Great World Menagerie, Grand International, Mardi Gras, Highway, Holiday, Hidalgo, and Alliance of Novelties was off to an awesome start. On January 25th, 1884, prior to his show's debut, an overheated stove burned a building containing many of his circus's supplies, you know, such as deers, monkeys, lions, tigers, oh, okay. and, and kangaroos. Wow. All right. So that happened, and that was not good. That was a little deadly. Sounds bad. You know, again, important circus supplies. <sighs> well, yep. well, Wallace was no quitter. Again, he kicks business ass. So he stocked... <clears throat> Sorry, I, I got wrapped up in how I said business ass that time. <laughs> <laughs> so he restocked his coffers and carried on. His show thrived by visiting often ignored ignored areas of America, 
um, you know, areas that were ignored by most forms of entertainment. Again, we say it all the time, and hopefully everyone listening knows it's obvious, but, like, imagine a world where, like, the things you do in 2020 to entertain yourselves are unavailable to you. No phone, no TV, no internet, no... Mm -hmm. No, you can't even call your friend. No phone calls. You can't drive your car. Somewhere. You got fucking nothing to do. Things have to kind of come to you. Yeah. And if you want to go somewhere, it takes like 12 weeks just to go across town to do whatever the fuck you have to do. I mean, it's part of the reason cities are so popular still. Right. Everything's walking. It's more accessible. Right there. Yep. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Suburbs didn't really exist until like you had trains and cars and shit. Mm-hmm. So... When this began, oh, hold on. Well, these often ignored areas, it contained like Indiana, Ohio, Virginia, Kentucky, you know, that little cluster right there. And so impressed with the show he had put together, um, there was a magazine, a bandwagon magazine, and this was, they said this, quote, This is no little mud show. It's excellent. Has a long list of performers and good equipment. Now, based on my previous discussion, I assumed that good equipment would mean the animals, but I don't think that's what they mean. Um, but I mean, they like the animals, so it's good equipment. It's all yeah. good. Um, right. so believe it or not, once Wallace's show started traveling by 26 car train, that's a big train across the country. The, uh, the name was shortened. Can you believe they do that? They shorten that name. I would hope so. Yeah. From to a marketing the, perspective. Come well, on. To, to the great Wallace show. Was that so hard to do in the beginning? I mean, still not. Great, but all right, I'll work with it. I have a like, there's a theory though, with like a lot of these things back in the day had like long names because, like, all people do, like, there was you didn't need to the, the marketing was like people are like people have nothing else to do, so like they had more time for ads and long names. Like, it wasn't like snap, snap, we have to, to do things, it was we want things to take up our time. We want to read things. So like, I want oh. this to take so long <laughs> to say that I don't have to think about how horrible everything is. <laughs> right. I need things to do. Give me something to do. Oh, wow. This name has like 18 words in it. Thank God I can think about this instead of my terrible life right now. All right. Right? It's a, it's a weird makes world sense. to live in. Yeah, it's right? different marketing. It makes sense exactly. when, you, when you put me in that perspective. Right. And that's I, I love kind of doing that. Like, all right, let's just jump back for a second. Like, well, you can't waste my time. I'm looking for ways to waste my time. Give me something to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please say nonsense words to me for just, at least 30 seconds and tell me that's well, the name of this thing so we can continue our conversation. And I will have to say it maybe two or three more times and we can waste maybe 10 minutes. Right. And like we've come we've we've both come across that like reading old quotes where like the language is so flowery and it just like goes around this giant journey to get to a simple point. It's like, yeah, cuz like what else were you fucking doing? Yeah. Nothing. People could sit down and listen to you. And like that was back in the day when like, you know, people would write elegant, lofty letters and mail them to people cuz they to just to tell somebody to like fuck off, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you fucking asshole, but it's instead of like you fucking asshole, it's just like it's like, sir, why don't you take your posterior side and sit on this? <laughs> like, Doth protest too much. Thou sucketh on the lizard's anus. Like, what is <laughs> even? It's like weird things you would never say. Yeah, now we just go, fuck that. Yeah, eat shit. Fuck you, dummy. Yeah, you stupid idiot. That's a good <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. All right. 
So, all right. So during the winter, winter, what? What the winter, idiot? During the winter, Wallace would call his home of Peru the circus's winter quarters. So, like, even he wouldn't, he didn't leave his hometown. He brought it all back. And I also like the term winter quarters. It's a good term, mm-hmm. which the the locals loved it because it brought all this. You know, things were happening. Now people people love the circus, and I mean, many people received jobs caring for the equipment. You know, again, and then they also would see elephants bathing in the river, and that would delight the town's children because you're in Indiana, you're in Peru, Indiana. Let's be honest. Indiana's still not that fucking great. So imagine seeing a goddamn <laughs> elephant. Like, wow, that's kind of cool. Neat. That is okay. Cool. Yeah. It's like, imagine a shittier Illinois without Chicago. Hey, welcome to Indiana. Cool, guys. What a fun place to be. All right. Yeah, I don't care. Fuck you, Indiana. It's cool to say. All right. Wow. All right. <laughs> yeah, whoa, tough. It's not uh, whatever. I mean, their name is still Indiana. There was no Indians here. This was America. Anyways, I can't. All right. No, I didn't think about it that way, but all right. Right? It's still called Indiana. Really? That? Grandfathered in, I guess. All right, so, um, yeah, so the, the but the town grew to love Wallace's ramshackle employees. You know, like you know the circus people, the carnies. You know, that's what they call them, the circus people. But it was endearing; everybody loved them. Okay. All right, so during the year of 1907, Wallace had purchased the. Uh, oh, this is a this is a huge plot twist, by the way. You know where that guy we talked about before? I threw it in here like it's nothing, but it's a big deal. Wallace, because he kicked so much business ass had purchased the Carl Hagenbach Circus. Okay. Yeah. He mm-hmm. owns it. Probably because Carl was too was busy off wrangling people. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Anyways, so both enterprises were merged. Wallace was kicking circus business ass. And then he renamed his circus the Hagenbeck, Hagenbeck Wallace Circus. Even though Hagenbeck had nothing to do with the company. He sold it. He's not a part of this anymore. Well, it's it's again, his. marketing stuff. It's like all right. the people that liked the Hagenbach circus. Right. Again. We're a thing now. That's a, that's a decision That's a decision made by a guy who kicks business ass. Yeah. So, being the egomaniac, I assume he was, Carl sued to have his name stripped from the title. Uh, the title. Okay. But he lost that lawsuit. The judge must have been like, nah, never mind. Pass. Like, just, nope. So, the car, the uh, Hagenbach, Hagenbach, keep saying Bach, it's easier to say. Hagenbach Wallace Circus was born. So, what happened to Carl? Do you care? Do I know what happened to this man? Do I know his fate? Yes. He was, so he likes adventures, right? Mm-hmm. Journeys to extreme, you know, remote areas. He was bitten by a sub-Saharan African snake called a uh, boomer slang. Okay. And died on April 14th, 1913. The snake is very venomous. So he was poisoned by a snake and he fucking died. Huh. A very ominous year, 1913. Moving along. Pretty, uh, we're lucky. Moving along. Uh Uh-huh. Super lucky. Anyways, like I said, the Hagenbeck uh, Wallace Circus was born. And after buying out his business partners that I haven't mentioned existed until now, he bought them out for $125,000 in that time's money. It's that, so, that's a lot of money for that time. It's a lot of money, right? Yeah. It's, I feel it's always a lot of money, no matter what. It's like, that's a lot of money. Yeah, but, but it was inflation, a lot of money. that's 
it was a lot of money, a yeah. lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was it was Wallace's show, and he kept kicking business ass. All right, that one didn't win me over like the other one did. All right, quote. This was someone's statement about the circus that now Wallace has fully embraced. Quote, their show belongs to the class of the greatest tent enterprises in the world. And now since Mr. Wallace owns most of the stock, his holdings are greater than any than those of any other showman in the country and probably the world. I don't mention him here, but like the the uh, the quality of circuses goes at this time period goes P.T. Barnum and then Wallace. So he's like number two. He's the guy hmm. besides the obvious, you yeah. know, Barnum and Bailey or P.T. Barnum right. at the time, probably. Yep. yep. Uh-huh. So. Destiny. Fate. Luck. 1913, huh? We talked about it. A very ominous year. Now, this I took this segment from our beautiful friends at Wikipedia. What happened in 1913? That was the year of the Great Flood of 1913. Wikipedia begins. The the Great Flood of 1913 occurred between March 23rd and March 26th after major rivers in the central and eastern United States flooded from runoff and several days of heavy rain. Flood-related deaths in Ohio, Indiana, and 11 other states are estimated at approximately 650 people. That that's a lot for a flood. Yeah, I mean in floods. Nineteen thirteen. Yeah, in the U.S., we're not exactly water based in the Midwest no. here. No, but I mean they do exist, and they do. They definitely exist. We've experienced the fl- them. The flack pretty recently. <laughs> we really have. It's almost every other every other month, really every year. There's a good. There's a couple good ones. Mm-hmm. But um, but the fact that these th- like the the people couldn't they couldn't get away, you know what I mean? Like I imagine a flood that you just can't get away from back then. Like you're just I can't outrun this. I can't. It's fucking horrifying. Or like you're in your home and you're by the river. It floods. You're like well, fuck me, I guess. Mm-hmm. The official death toll range for Ohio falls between four hundred twenty-two and four hundred and seventy. Flood-related death estimates in Indiana range from 100 to 200. I mean, I guess you kind of got to do the math once you bring that into play. More than a quarter million people were left homeless. A quarter million people were left homeless. Yeah. The death toll from the flood of 1913 places it second to the Johnstown flood of 1888 as one of the deadliest floods in the United States. The flood remains Ohio's largest weather disaster. In the Midwest, damage estimates exceeded a third of a billion dollars. Damage from the Great Dayton Flood at Dayton, Ohio exceeded 73 million. Indiana's damages were estimated at 25 million. In 1913 dollars. Yeah. That's astronomical, man. Mm-hmm. Further south along the Mississippi River, damages exceeded 200 million. Devastation from the flood of 1913 and later floods along the Mississippi River eventually changed the country's management of its waterways and increased federal support for comprehensive flood prevention and funding for flood control projects. In this flood, the Wallace Circus lost eight elephants, 21 lions and tigers, and 18 performing horses. After this hit, Wallace said, Fuck it! Who needs a circus? And sold his circus. 
Yeah, okay. Don't worry about him. His wealth was diversified. I've pulled some of this information from circusandsideshows.com, so I'm going to read something from them. On the road, Hagenbeck Wallace Circus collected large amounts of silver and currency. Uh, to prevent it from being stolen, Ben Wallace shipped it back to Peru, Indiana in barrels. But these barrels were labeled nails. Hmm. Now, the banks were unwilling to handle these large amounts of money. So, in my own words, Ben was like, fuck it. I'll start my own bank. And he organized a new bank to handle his own transactions called the Wabash Valley Trust, later named the uh, Wabash Valley Bank. The okay. third floor the third floor of the banking building was used for making circus wardrobe. How cute. Yeah, interesting. Alright, but anyway, so he had his shit together. Mm-hmm. I just like the idea of sending them barrels of money to a bank and they're like, This is too much, I don't want this and he's like, Fuck it, I got my own bank now. Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. It sounds it's mine now. He was, not like yeah. a modern banking problem. <laughs> no, like we don't want it. this is this is too much money. We don't want it. Like, yeah. that would never what a weird thing to Right? Yeah. Again, a different time. Uh But the circus was sold and remained in operation. And as they say, the show must go on. June 22nd, 1918. World War I was coming to a close. And the Hagenbeck Wallace Circus was headed to Hammond, Indiana to perform. Five and a half miles east of Hammond, near Hesselville, Indiana, the train had made an emergency stop due to an issue, uh, issue with the hot box on one of the flat cars. The train had two segments, one segment housing the performers and workers, and the other, the animals. Now, the segment housing the animals had been dispatched off the mainline track earlier to move them to a spot closer to Gary. They were working their way off to go get things fixed. Gary's right around. We're all right in the same little area. You know, Gary just... was probably pretty cool back then. I'm sure it was a great place. I'm sure it wasn't ravaged by any, you know, businesses coming and going and then abandoned by any sort of governments. I'm sure Gary was a happening town. Mm-hmm. Now, now the circus train cars were made of wood and they were lit with oil lamps. The segment contained God. the animals. What? What do you? What? What? What does that mean? Why wasn't everything was on side? fire all the time? <laughs> <laughs> what? Do you, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why you'd sigh there. What? What problem would that cause? I don't. None. None. No problems. Zero problems. That's <laughs> <laughs> the best. <laughs> what do you? Where do you think this is going? I don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> The uh, the segment containing the animals had been dispatched off the mainline track, leaving the cars containing the performers on the mainline track. Jugglers, acrobats, clowns, etc. Okay. Now, I'm going to read this as a quote, but it was a write-up, a statement. Quote. I'm not even going to tell you who it's from. We're just going to... We're just going to go through it. Okay. Okay. Quote. Um, the beginning starts off with a lot of facts and then you'll see where it, you'll, you'll see where it goes. Okay. Well, you'll, you'll hear, you'll hear where it goes. All right. It's a first person account. I was called shortly after 8 PM, June 21st for deadhead equipment, West engine 8485 for, uh, 10.15 p.m. and left Kalamazoo, Michigan at 10.35 p.m. Had been up since 5 a.m. 
June 21st, deadheading from my home in Jackson on train number 41 and had had little or no sleep during the day. Had had a couple of heavy meals before going out, realizing that I would not get anything more to eat until sometime the next morning. Leaving Kalamazoo, following freight train to Michigan Yard and stopped at Signal near Center Street. Got proceed signal from someone on ground, pulled up to Michigan City. Stopped at Standpipe and took water. Following this freight train, we stopped first between Dowagiac and Pokagon. Do you know those Indiana towns? I don't. I do not. Okay. So that's how I'm just going to say them. On account, signal at danger. Stopped at Pokagon. It's like Pokemon, so that threw me off. Pokagon and Niles for same reason. The freight train being ahead. Leaving Michigan City, had cleared track to East Gary, and there caught block of train ahead. Reduced speed, but did not have to stop, as block cleared before I reached it. Reduced speed, going through Gary to comply with rules, and saw no more signals at caution or danger until approaching curve east of Ivanhoe, where I found second signal east of wreck at caution. Was going about 25 miles per hour at this point, but did not reduce speed as I expected that the next signal would probably clear before I got to it, or that I would see it, if at danger, in time to stop. The wind was blowing very hard in cab on my side, and I closed the window, which made the inside of cab more comfortable. Before reaching the next signal, I dozed on account of heat in cab, and missed it. Before reaching the next signal, I dozed on account of heat in cab, and missed it. Not realizing what had happened to me until 75 to 90 feet, I awoke suddenly and saw the tail or marker lights showing red on a train directly ahead of mine. Not realizing that the rear end of this train was so close, I started to make a service application, but before completing it, placed brake valve handle into emergency position. <laughs> we, we struck almost instantly after making the brake application. Don't know whether I closed the throttle or not, but think I did. Looked to see where the fireman was and saw he was running toward the gangway. Did not see a, f a few see, hear a torpedo, or see any other warning signal up to the time I saw the red tail lights. Wreck happened at 8.05 a.m. June 22nd. I stayed there for an hour or more assisting and getting people out of the wreckage. I have been in the service of the Michigan Central Railroad Company for approximately 28 or 29 years, the last 16 of which I have been continuously employed as an engineer. I am in perfect physical condition, as well as, as, well as mental condition, and have had no illness within 25 or 30 years acquiring the service of a doctor. There was nothing defective about the air brakes or other mechanism of the engine or train that I was operating, nor was there any defective condition of any of the signals or track upon which I was operating to the best of my knowledge. The accident was due solely to the fact that I accidentally fell asleep and had no intent to injure any person, nor was done with malice, but solely through an accident, as aforesaid. So this guy fell asleep behind the wheel and rear-ended the fuck out of this train. Absolutely. He plowed straight into it. And I talked about earlier, so clearly he was giving a statement. I just like to point that out. That's what that, that's what that is. That's why I said I was going to read it as a quote. But it was clearly a statement. And what did I tell you those... Circus train cars were made of. 
Wood and oil lamps. <laughs> yeah. So that's right. At around 4 a.m. Ivanhoe, Gary, Indiana, engineer Alonzo Sargent had missed all the warnings posted by the 26 car circuses trains brakeman. So the guy from the train like posted stuff like, hey, dude, hey, trains, we're... And proceeded to plow into its caboose and four wooden sleeper cars, which, of course, exploded them, sending people all over the place, which also, you know, forced the oil lamps to tip over, igniting everything and everyone, sending the entire situation up in flames. Jeez. What a fucking nightmare. I mean, let's just sit with that for a second, because... Picturing it is just beyond gruesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is not good. And uh, in a signal tower, a hundred yards from the accident, there were two operators. So these guys just got to fucking watch this entire thing happen. (laughs) Basically right there. Ah! Is he stopping? Oh, he's not stopping. He's not Uh stopping. Do do they know? They're asleep. They don't. It's 4 a.m. Oh. Boom. Yeah, so they decided to call whoever they could and be like, hey, we got a thing going on here. Um, first, So, like, you know, anyone. So first in the scene was the mayor of Gary, Indiana, and he had with him the uh, fire chief, who then he proceeded to call everyone imaginable to get as many medical professionals, anyone who could put out this fire, just get the whole fucking town, everybody get over here. Hmm. All right, so, so about this crash that happened. Um, it's said that within the first 35 seconds of the crash, the majority of the victims passed away. I guess they were just for the best. They were just done. Nobody had any idea what happened. Now, yeah, as far as this situation, yeah, that is the best that could happen to you. Mm-hmm. So then, but then... You know, the wooden train exploded and the fire took hold. So if you were still alive, you weren't for much longer and you were covered in oil, wood shards and fire. And if the explosion ripped your body apart, there's that to deal with. Hmm. When it was all said and done, 86 people had died and 127 were injured and they were sent off to a uh, local hospital for triage. Um, cause that's what that's, that's what that hospital will be dealing with right then. What is going on? Yep. Who is in what state? Oh my God. In a hospital in 1913. Anyways. So now this was, this was a statement that I saw reportedly some of the deceased were so burned. It was thought that they were the remains of the African American porters aboard the train. They couldn't tell what anything who anybody was, hmm. but no. Only five of the eighty-six bodies were positively identified. Okay. Damn. Um. Five years prior, in uh, actually, let me do let me do a quick thing. Give me one second. So some of the uh, the people who they know for sure who passed away, um. Millie Jewell was dubbed the girl without fear. Jenny Ward Todd, um, she was an aerialist and member of the Flying Wards. 
bareback rider Louis Cottrell, and Wild West rider Verna Connor. And then Strongman brothers Arthur and Joseph Derricks, and the wife of two young sons of Chief Clown Joseph Coyle. Chief Clown. Chief Clown. Not the chief. Not the chief. He was taken out. He was not well. And... Yeah. Arthur Derricks and Matt... Max Nietzborn are the great Derricks brothers. They're another strong men act. Now, well... Identifying people was hard. That's an understatement that I... Yeah, because they were all fucking charcoal. <laughs> right. They're all... Yeah, they're just incinerated. Just these remnants of these human beings who were just doing the circus. I mean... And, like, circuses used to, like... It was so slow for them to travel. So, like, trains allowed people to go zoom, zoom. Like, you could go to so many places. It's such an evolution in technology. But... Yeah. Still had the wooden, still had the wooden, uh, dangers were involved. Dangers were absolutely involved. So, were some were known, others had the, oh, oh, go ahead. I was just saying, it's like fucking space travel right now. You know, it's the cutting edge. Right, exactly, exactly. And some of these victims on this, oh yeah, it, it would just, yeah, it just changes the entire culture. Yeah, things go right sometimes, but sometimes they go fucking wrong, and everybody sees yeah. it. Yeah, and sometimes it's just the guy guy fucking falls asleep behind a weapon of mass destruction, basically. What the? Mm-hmm. Why? Well, they knew who some people were, but when they, um, some people they did not. So when it came time to, um, some people were merely identified as by using identifying features such as baldy smiley and four horse driver while others would eventually be listed as unknown male and unknown female man that's crazy i guess you don't realize how much uh modern science has benefited identifying corpses right they're just like, well, where's <laughs> Sally? Well, she's gone, right? So one of them was probably her. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Maybe this <laughs> one. It's about the right size. Yeah. Uh, um. Sure. Oh, I'll, oh. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn. Fuck. They mark it down. Yeah. Sally. Question mark. Hmm. Well. Five years prior, in 1913, with Buffalo Bill Cody as its first president, the Showmen's League of America had been formed uh, shortly before the train crash. So, you know, five years previously, like I said. Okay. Oh, sorry. I know how this was written. I'm going to say the whole sentence again. Five years prior, in 1913, with Buffalo Bill Cody as its first president, the Showmen's League of America had been formed. And shortly before the train crash in 1918, 
they had purchased burial land in Woodland Cemetery at the intersection of Cermak Road and Des Plaines Avenue in Forest Park, Illinois. So like, wait a minute, I know those streets. <laughs> right? Okay. They purchased it to be used for its members. And this burial plot is known as Showman's Rest. Between 56 and 61, again, who even knows, really? It's a mass grave. They put them all in here. Between 56 and 61 of the deceased from the train wreck would be the first to be buried there. And again, a mass grave. And I do stress only five individuals were positively identified from what I've read. I'm sure maybe the number fluctuates, but for sure, from what I can gather... Five individuals were positively identified. Now, when you go into Woodlawn Cemetery, the grave site is marked, and you can Google it and look at this if you want to. The grave site is marked with large elephant statues with their trunks head low in a solemn gesture to express mourning. And on the sign, it, it says, um, I believe it says Showman's Rest. I think that's what that says. I've seen this before. Right? This is a thing. I'm sure it came up when I was worried. I was wondering if you had even dabbled in this when you had done your episode on, um, you know, the local cemeteries. I think that's where I may have come across it, but I didn't do a dive into it. But yeah, I've definitely heard of this. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. It says um, Showman's League of America on the elephant statues. I definitely did not know that this is where it came from. Right? It's an entire circus troupe that was murdered in a brutal train crash fire explosion. Hmm. What the hell? Yeah. Now, the investigative report of the crash by the ICC stated, quote, This accident was caused by engine man sergeant being asleep and from this cause failing to observe the stop indication of automatic signal 2581 and the warnings of the flagmen of the circus train and to be governed by them. Quote. Now this report they put together seemed to chastise the old wooden cars and oil lamps as well. Basically like a come on guys. Like they like. Yeah. Who knows if they were the same the same trains Wallace had bought forever ago? Like how old were these things? Probably old then. It's nineteen thirteen. They didn't need wooden trains, I assume. Yeah, but I mean, still ultimately the guy that fell asleep. Right. I mean the the wooden trains again, yeah, since that was the cause of the blaze, and literally I didn't mean to kind of jump, but like what I had literally put was like they probably weren't structurally sound trains, but probably would have been fine if someone hadn't ran Hadn't passed out and rammed them. Yep, yep. Like, they were fine. And, I mean, that guy's testimony, his, uh, I mean, sounds like he knew it was his fault. Yeah, he's like, I fell asleep. So, yeah. Speaking of that, you know, testimony. Well, the trial for Alonzo Sargent and his firemen. Well, you want a happy ending to a story, right? I typically prefer them, but, you know, how, they don't always happen. How do you think that trial ended? This, you know, what do you think? I mean, I'm guessing that guy got 
guilty. I mean, he was, he admitted it. Well. Are you asking me something different? No, that's exactly what I'm asking you. Because that's the answer that you would hope would happen. The trial for Alonzo Sargent and his firemen ended deadlocked, forcing a mistrial. And the prosecutors decided not to retry them. And on June 9th, 1920, the charges were dismissed. (laughs) What the fuck? What the fuck? I mean, I can see it from both sides, honestly. Like, that guy obviously knew he fucked up. He's going to live with that forever. Right. Nothing nothing he does will bring it back. He's He's stuck with it. Time right. served is what they uh, they uh, deemed, basically, yeah. you know? Right, they're like, ah, fuck it. He, he, yep. Well, enjoy I mean, your life, it, dude. Is it right? But, like, no. But, man, damn. Well, especially a guy who didn't do it on purpose. Like, he honestly made a mistake, and now it's like, well, I killed 86 people and probably maimed and brutal. Like, there's 127 people survived. Yeah. But what was their life like after that? They were not looking normal or fine, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, if if that was me, I would have been like I mean, fuck. Yeah. Right? Lock me up and they're just like, "No, time served." And I'd be like, like, "Oh. I don't know if that's better right. or worse. That's probably worse." Like, <laughs> you know, probably. Just throwing that like, I mean, obviously it's not right, like no. It's terrible. It's horrifying. I almost, I wish I would would have looked up, like, what happened to Alard, Alonzo Sargent. Like, what was the rest of his life like after this? What did he do? He wasn't good, I'm, bet, I'm betting. If I were a betting man, no. I'd say it's not good. And he's been with the train company so long, so he's probably, like, an older guy. He's a few years away from retirement. He's like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I killed a bunch of clowns. I set a bunch of clowns on fire. <laughs> and it wasn't funny. And it, no one laughed. <laughs> they just screamed and smelled like burning. Oh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> Damn. That's the real clowns, etc. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. That's tough. That's tough. All right. Now, for what I'm about to tell you, keep in mind, Burfield Zoo is not too far away from the cemetery. But locals claim to have heard ghostly elephant sounds at night. Now, I mean, up and they don't, now, they don't carry elephants anymore. So, right. Keep in mind that no elephants have been at the zoo since 2015. And based on our previous, perhaps musing about circuses, um, needless to say, cooping up wild animals is all around probably bad. Anyways, they're not. They're not human beings, so that's a plus, but they're not, you know. Are you, are you endorsing cooping up human beings? No, I'm <laughs> saying it could. No, I'm saying humans is worse than the animals. Uh, <laughs> it's, right. Humans fair. are worse than the animals, <laughs> but they're all bad. There's different degrees of bad, as you can clearly imagine, because you could be killed in 35 seconds or be set apart and then burned to death. Different degrees of bad. Okay. So, in conclusion, 
Showman's Rest in Woodland Cemetery in Forest Park, Illinois, is the gravesite for a circus troupe containing acrobats, clowns, jugglers, animal trainers, trapeze artists, strongmen, and so many more performers and professionals who were either obliterated, burned alive, or partially obliterated, and then burned alive by an exhausted train engineer who passed out and ran his train straight through the reality. Wow. Yeah. Bold. Yeah. Huh. Well, just barreling down the tracks. Not great. Yeah, no. So, um, we can add that to our fun places to go to when we, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's not too far from here, you know. It's really not. We could do that, and we could be there and back in a couple hours. It's true. And, I mean, if the cemetery is open, we we wouldn't even have to deal with human beings. Yeah. So, like, we we wouldn't have to worry about that either. But, uh, yeah, we've we've been thinking about a lot of places to go, and this came up in, again, conversation with a very loyal listener. So I'm happy to present this to you and I'm glad you were as appalled as I was when you found out all these people burned alive. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd definitely heard of it before and hearing when you finally said showman's rest, that's when I kind of clicked. I was like, I know this. And Yes. Yeah. Whether my few history books of local local history or haunted history and stuff, you know. I mean, we both like history, so Right. We dabble in what's local to us first of all because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. most accessible and uh yeah yes. definitely knew it definitely heard of it did not know the story behind it probably something that would have been on my list and uh would have gotten to it eventually though so that's fun right fun that's why i fun well right yeah fun, fun. yeah to this horrific deaths of all these people woo <laughs> Yeah, no one can see our quotation marks we do with our fingers. Fun. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh. But, uh, yeah, that's the one gamble I took because I was like, he might have had this on his list and he might have meant to do this because he was into the cemeteries before. But I was like, I got, we're crunched for time and I got to do something. And this seems like something we should do. So let's just go for it and see what happens. So, yeah. Yep. Nope. I think I brushed on it, but nothing. So it was eye opening. Good stuff. Fuck. Right? Yeah, holy shit. So I mean if you get any if you have any fun cemetery why did I do that around the cemetery, the quotation marks. I don't know. Nobody can see your fun quotes either. Cemetery. Yeah, I probably shouldn't <laughs> yeah, I should probably shouldn't talk about them if no one can see them. Right. If anybody has any fun stories, email us at weird and feared podcast at gmail dot com and if they're Please truly do. horrifying and morbid, we will talk about them. And then um Instagram, the Facebook, and if you want to support the show, go to the Patreon and sign up to um endorse us for the, you know, a minimal fee to get some more episodes in your inbox with your own private RSS feed for our Behind the Veil podcast we've been doing on the Patreon where, like um, Zach explained in the uh, past episode we did, because we're, we, we're just two guys hanging out having a conversation. We're just going to keep the mics on now, and then right. you get to see it. Yep. Get to hear it. So just yep. more more content because I mean I'm sure Zach's gonna have time to process this horrifying shit show I just told him. Yeah. And then we'll we'll get into that. But uh 
Yeah, beyond that, guys, stay safe and stay spooky. Yeah, stay spooky.